Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of So I Married a Horror Fan. I am one of your co-hosts, Simon. And I'm Lee. And uh, yeah, we are officially in June. We are officially in our horror comedies month. Uh, we have released a lovely episode of 5x5 on our top five favourite horror characters that was released this past Friday uh, when everybody was off in the UK celebrating uh, some lizard person's mind control reign over the country. Um, so if you had a chance to check that out, thank you very much. If you haven't, a link is in the bio on all of our social medias. We'll give you that information at the end of the episode. But today is our first official uh, film episode of the month. And we are kicking off with episode 77, which is on Happy Death Day. We are kicking off with episode 77, which is on Happy Death Day. We are kicking off with episode 77 which is on Happy Death Day. Okay, I'm going to stop doing that now because the gimmick is going to run itself dry very it's quickly. It's already started to run itself dry, babe. <laughs> I, am, I am a gimmick. I, I, I love a gimmick. Reminds me of that scene in Captain America Civil War when uh, Falcon and Arm Boy see Spider-Man and he's like, who's that? And he's like, everybody's got a gimmick now. Hmm. It's funny that we talk about gimmicks, though, because this movie is a gimmick inside of a gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um... So, yeah. Do your... Do my thing. Okay, so... Do the one thing we employ you for. (laughs) Pretty much. Uh, Happy Death Day, released in 2017. It was written by Scap... Scap? Ski... Scott Lobdell. Scott the Lobster? Yeah, who also wrote um, Man of the House. I don't know if you've ever seen Man of the House. Hang on. Is that let me let me tell you the movie that I think it is, yeah. and then you'll tell me if I'm correct. Yeah. Man of the House. Yeah. Early two thousands comedy. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones as a state trooper who has to infiltrate a sorority house to protect a cheerleader or something. Is that so right? he becomes like he he moves in with a bunch of cheerleaders to help protect them. Yeah. 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 That is an exact film. Did not know it was the same writer, but I, I feel it in my bones. Also, it makes sense. Uh, I must say that this tea is very nice. Uh, whatever oat milk you purchased for this cup of tea is, is lovely. Uh, I don't know what I bought this time. Minor figures, I think. There you go. It looks like it's got a fucking it's got Damien... Like a little, it's got like a girl wearing a duck costume. Yeah, it looks like it's got a Damien Rice album cover on the <laughs> fucking garden. Um, directed by Christopher Landon. Big Landon! Who did Freaky. Yeah, Christopher Landon directed uh, Zombie Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. This, the sequel to this, Freaky. He also directed one of the uh, Paranormal Activity movies, and he wrote like two to seven, I think. He yeah, wrote he the vast majority the of them. Marked ones, and then he wrote Next of Kin, the marked ones, two, three, and four, I think. Also, side note, as a little Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon connection, Christopher Landon would go on to direct 2020's Freaky starring Catherine Newton. Catherine Newton was actually in Paranormal Activity 4. Yeah, solid. Okay, cast-wise in this film, we have Jessica Roth as Tree Glebman. Gelbman. Gelbman. Oh, fuck no. That's her name. Mate, you said her name correctly on the very last episode we did. Spoiler alert. I um, just called her Tree. You went... You went my number, whatever she was, Tree Gelberman. I thought I said it's Tree from Happy Death Day. Is that a no, I didn't. Mate, I have audio 
Do you really want to do playback? We can go back and check yeah. the audio yeah. if you want. Yeah. Do you, well, should we check the audio? Not right now, but we will. But I'm telling you, I said tree. I didn't say her surname. Okay, um, Israel Brassard. Broussard? Broussard? Yeah. I don't know. As Carter Davies. Ruby Modine as Laurie Spengler. <laughs> Charles Aitken as Gregory Butler. Laura Clifford as Stephanie Butler. Jason Bale as David Gelbman. Yeah. Big Dave. Uh, Rob Mello as John Toombs. Rachel Matthews as Danielle Bo- Bozeman. Bowsman. Bowsman, thank you. And then uh, Phil um, Fivu as Ryan Fan. I think that's kind of it. Danielle Bowsman, you know, like Darren Lynn. Yeah, I think that's everyone, isn't it? Yeah. Or all the major characters, anyway. Mm-hmm. Cool, yeah. Solid. I, I just want to point out that I love how... Both of the sets of slasher movies that Christopher Landon directed, this one and Freaky, which I'm sure at some point we'll talk about, both have references to Halloween in them. Mm-hmm. I just want to start off back because obviously Laurie in this, mm-hmm. and then in the second, in the Freaky, the guy that she's in love with is surname is Strode. Oh. And then plot line for this film is. A college student must relive the day of her murder over and over again in a loop that will end only when she discovers the killer's identity. That's the plot of this film. Screamhog Day. Screamhog Day, pretty much actually, yeah. There you go, that's my that's my bit's done. You can you can take it off, Bebs. Yeah, also, I don't know if you notice this, I just wanna I wanna rem- I wanna mention this while I remember it, because it's a very specific thing. In the scene where she's first chased by John Toombs through the hospital, mm-hmm. there's a variation in the score of the Halloween theme. Oh, really? I don't know if you noticed it. If I you really, if you really listen, you can hear the do 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 do. I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know how many people know, but yeah, there you go. Fair big, enough. Uh, big, big Halloween vibes. I can I just say right off the bat that I love this movie. I'm already going to tell everyone right up front. If you want to stop listening after this, you're more than welcome to. This movie is going to get like a hundred and fifty out of five. Um, I <clears throat> I remember I remember when this movie came out. So this movie came out in twenty seventeen. I think I literally just said twenty seventeen. Yeah, I was going to say. I remember I was at the cinema watching something or other it may have been when i went to see it and i was with my mum and the trailer came on and the first thing i noticed because they couldn't get the rights to use it for the film is that in the trailer 50 cents in the club is her ringtone and they had to do like a little fucking mashup thing for this movie for the actual movie but i remember looking at the trailer and going "Ugh, this is gonna be crap and then i randomly watched it one day i was at home uh, from work about two or three years ago and it was on like now tv and i was like you know what i'm just gonna put it on i think i'd watched a kill count on it that james j janice had done dead meats shout out and then i um was like oh i'm gonna watch this movie so i'd already seen the bits of it through the kill count and then i was like you know what i'm gonna watch it because it's quite good and i remember watching it and just like falling in love with it <laughs> um and then i watched it about 
two months ago when I was homesick from work. I sat and watched this and the second one like literally back to back. Um, because there is a moth in the room. Hey moth, what's up? How you doing? Sorry, we had to segue for a moth then. The fuck are you doing, bro? Um, yeah, sorry. This moth has completely... Fuck me. Ah! Fuck! <laughs> a moth has completely derailed this episode. I'm so sorry. I'm not editing this out. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's one of those weird movies because I think it works as a slasher movie. And I also think it works, like, as a comedy as well. Um... Because it is, it is a very gimmicky film. It is basically Groundhog Day meets Scream. Um, but the thing that I love about this movie is the movie hinges on the central plot by Jessica... The central character, sorry, by Jessica Roth as Teresa Tree, whatever you want to call her. Um, and, like, the thing that I love about the movie is obviously the movie has a gimmick. It has the whole uh, time loop scenario mm-hmm. and the deja vu thing. But whereas most movies would drive that plot into the ground and they would use it and it would become repetitive. And don't get me wrong, there are moments in this movie where it does become repetitive. The fact that they take a character at the beginning who is very unlikable Mm -hmm. and they use the gimmick to actually push the narrative. Like all of her emotional growth and personal growth is done via the use of the time loop. Yeah. So therefore, I that's kind of I think part of the reason why I love this movie so much is they actually use the time loop to a really interesting effect. It's not just a hey man, let's do it so we can just keep doing cool deaths over and over again. Mm. It's actually so that you can go on a journey with the character as she relives the day over and over again, yeah. and she actually becomes one of those characters that you end up falling in love with by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love because like too many final girls in these movies are already... They basically start the movie as the character that they are and then basically yeah. end the movie as the same character well, that for the was most kind part. of the reason behind the movie in the first place, wasn't it? Is the movie... Slasher movies always open with the mean girl dying and the good girl surviving. Yeah. The nice girl surviving. And um, the writer and director... Basically wanted to see what would happen if that was the same character. Yeah. Which is the reason that she starts out as a bit of a bitch and has a... Emotional and personal growth throughout the film. She has a lot of emotional damage. She does. In this and movie. physical damage. Yeah. She really gets a rough look of it. But with a couple of cool facts about this movie, mm-hmm. two in particular that I want to share with you. One is the girl who plays Danielle mm-hmm. is actually the niece of Christopher Landon. Nice. Her dad is Michael Landon, who um, did Little House on the Prairie. Wait, he's the Antichrist from fucking American Horror Story. Yes. Yes, he is. Holy shit. Wow. He did Little House on the Prairie. He explains so much. It's, it's Langdon in American Horror Story, isn't it? Isn't yeah, it? Langdon. Yeah. That's um, eerily similar, though. It is. And also, allegedly, this movie was originally written back in 2007, and it was going to star Megan Fox, and it was going to be produced by... Wait for it. Michael Bay. Yeah. Very different film. Yeah. I think the reason why that fell apart is... Uh, little fact about Transformers when they worked together on the first Transformers movie and uh, he was really pervy towards her she described the experience of working with Michael Bay as being like Hitler which yeah when, I've heard that which when Steven Spielberg is producing your movie and is very famously a Jewish person it's probably not the thing that you want to say no 
Um, and they had a massive falling out because he was a massive creep, wasn't he? Alleged- allegedly. I want to put out their facts, allegedly, because I don't want to get sued by Michael Bay. That man seems like he has a lot of money and time on his hands. And then also, just one last thing, because I forgot to do it at the beginning of the episode. This movie was made on a $4.8 million budget. For $4,800,000. That's 4.8? Yeah, that's fine. And worldwide, it made £125,479,266. Yeah, this movie was Bonkolonko's fucking successful. I don't even know how much that is. But there are two things I want to say like to you in regards to the two things that you just said. We'll get, we'll get back to the, the cost and the, the, the budget and stuff in a second. Yeah. Um, if this had been made in 2007... With Megan Fox. I have a couple of questions regarding that. So do you think... Do you think it would still be as beloved as it is is now? With Megan Fox in the role? And also... Not... That's not... I want to be clear. I say no. Not due to Megan Fox. But the fact it would have been a Michael Bay movie. Yeah. (laughs) Also, that would have been two years before Jennifer's body. Yes. Do you think... The existence of Happy Death Day circa 2007 with Megan Fox would have stopped Megan Fox making Jennifer's body. And if that's the case, would you rather have Jennifer's body or the Megan Fox version of Happy Death Day? Um, I, I don't know if it would have stopped her making Jennifer's body because they're very different of film. <sighs> but if it came down to it, I'd much prefer to have Jennifer's body because I can't imagine Megan Fox playing this role. Yeah, because to be fair, she kind of does do sort of I mean I don't want to talk too much about it because we're doing it in a couple of weeks but she does kind of do dual roles in Jennifer's body um not really kind we'll of, talk about yeah, it when we come yeah, to Jennifer's yeah. body but I but disagree like, with you I, I can't imagine what this movie would have looked like with Jen- uh, Jennifer with uh Jennifer check with uh Megan Fox mm. in the role especially at that stage of Megan Fox's career because she'd literally only done Transformers at that point. It would have been a very, very different movie. Uh, no. She had also done Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. Put some respect on that movie. I used to own that movie on DVD. I went for a massive Lindsay Lohan it's phase. It's a good film. Uh, but just, just my earlier point of how much it made. It made 26 times its budget. That's crazy. That's insane. But... That is kind of the Blumhouse thing, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. They make small budgets. They make make films for between three and five million dollars. They market the fuck out of them. You look at all of their movies that that, that they had leading up to this The Purge franchise, The Paranormal Activity franchise, um, Get Out came out the same year, um, Truth or Dare, Sinister, like all that shit, Insidious. Um, it's crazy, like that. It's a formula that works, though. Like, I mean, Dan and movies aren't all necessarily all of the same quality, no. and I do find it hilarious how they will market the weaker movies in their catalogue by using the bigger movies on their posters. Like we said, I think we mentioned Fantasy Island on an episode, and they're like from the producers of Get, Get out. out and like Halloween or something stupid like that, and they were like, it's not the same creative team, but. I get what you're trying to do. You're trying to create that cognitive dissonance in people's heads of like, oh, it's the same guys that made that other thing that I like. Mm. So it's bound to be good, but it's not It's not always the case. Um, but like, what do you, what, what do you think of this movie? Like, honestly, so, like just break it down for me. The first time we watched, this is the second time I've ever seen Happy Death Day. The first time we watched it, I loved it. I was like, it was such a great premise. It was super enjoyable. 
the plot twist at the end was amazing and i really 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 love carter this time watching it i was getting really bored and really annoyed because i hated tree mm-hmm. i think the first time you watch it you see kind of her little turnaround and you're like oh actually she's not so bad this time watching it i was really conscious of like i'm like she, i know she becomes a good guy at the end but watching it, I was like, she is so fucking... I'd kill her. <laughs> she's vile. Yeah. She's not She's not the best. And she does, like, she does get the redemption at the end of the film and she gets the boy. But we don't really see that much of her redemption. She kind of just goes from being a bitch to, go, to suddenly being nice. Because mm. she literally, I think it's the morning of the... the serial killer yeah that she kind of starts being nice to people Mm -hmm. but you don't really see much of her becoming a nicer person it's just suddenly she's super nice yeah i get what you're saying i think i still love (laughs) carter though yeah i think the thing with tree is like tree is a fascinating character and i think that first like half an hour to 40 minutes with her is a bit rough Mm -hmm. uh because you do kind of have to have to kind of come round to the idea of like this is who you're going to be rooting for, but what I like is I think she's a I think she's a great final girl because she's she's one of those final girls that doesn't have to um like prepare to be tough. She's already savvy and she's already independent from the get go, which is something I like about her. It's it's the emotional and personal stuff that she has to get over in order to like become the person that we want her, we want to root for at the end of this movie or we want to root for during this movie. Mm. Um, and I do think there are some really great moments in this. Like, I think there are... I think you're right. Like, she, there are not moments particularly in this film where she gets those big emotional moments with the characters as she's going through the thing. It's more of a personal journey. So I think her, like, you know, being nicer to people and all that stuff takes her backseat to, like, her own trauma and like figuring out how she gets murdered and stuff she does more of the personal stuff in the second movie yeah which is weird because i don't want to talk too much about the second movie because we'll we'll talk about it a little bit later but i think the the amount of emotional heft that she goes through in the second movie doesn't it stands out because i don't think the movie is good enough to justify the things that she has to go through in the second one uh whereas in this movie i think it's just the right amount of like your life is being screwed up to make you realise that you need to be a better person. Mm. Um, but like, there are there are things about this, like there are things about this movie that frustrate me. Um, by no means is this a perfect movie. Like, I love this movie because I love the characters and I love the baby mask. I love all that sort of stuff. But like, there are things that annoy me about this movie. Like, they don't explain how the time loop keeps happening, mm. other than the fact that it's like connected to some rolling blackouts. They also don't understand how everybody else, except for Tree and Laurie, don't know that it's like a different time. Because like they, they kind of imply that Laurie knows. That... No, they don't. Because she keeps trying to kill her. Or does she not know? Like, this is what I was confused about. Yeah, no, the only person who knows there's a time loop is Tree. Right. Laurie keeps trying to kill her in the exact same way every single time. Yeah. 
and then when that fails, goes down a different route. If that if that wasn't the case, she'd have stopped trying to give her a cupcake. Pretty much yeah. Away. Well, I I kind of thought that she maybe knew because when she does the montage of like her sneaking around trying to find all the suspects, the the like baby mask seems to know where she is all the time. And I was like, I think I thought, that's just that she's following her. Yeah, I thought maybe she did know. No. Um. But yeah, like that kind of whole thing of like. And, like, they explain that, like, obviously Tree gets weaker every time she dies. But I was like, Baby Mask doesn't die every time. But Baby Mask gets but, beat up. Yeah, but so... the thing is, is because Tree is the one stuck in the time loop, <coughs> her body is actually phys- <coughs> physically living that day over and over and over again. And she's completely cognizant right. of it. Right. So everybody else. So isn't... everyone else resets. She doesn't. Yeah. And this is the thing that I always wondered about time paradoxes. <laughs> like it's like Palm Springs. It's like if you are stuck in a time loop, mm-hmm. are you the only person? Like if you are aware of the time loop, are you the only person that relives that same day? Yeah. Like, so if if you relive January the eighteenth over and over again, mm-hmm. but everybody else doesn't, does everybody else move on to January the nineteenth, yeah. January the twentieth, January the twenty first? They, their lives move on their outside lives of the time loop. Outside right. Outside of the time loop. You're stuck inside the time loop. Your life will be continuing as well, but your current consciousness is stuck inside that time loop. So then, how does she reset the time loop outside of the time loop when she finally moves on to January the 19th? Or like the 19th? She doesn't die. Yeah. But if everybody else's life moves on outside of the time loop, yeah. surely they would be days ahead of her when she finally no, moves no, to the no, next no, day. No, 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 no. So. The time loop is still happening, but time is stopped for you. Right. So nobody else is aware of it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> time loops are really fucking... But that's what I mean. Time. How does she move on to the next day so, without the other because, people? Because she's just broken out of the time loop. No one else is aware it's happening. I'm sure everyone's living that day over and over and over again. Yeah. But for them, it's just one day. They've just gone from the 17th into the 18th. They'll go straight into the 19th afterwards. Mm-hmm. But you're the only one who's consciously aware of it. Yeah, but that's what I was saying. We could have lived this day over and over and over again and not fucking realise it. Yeah, but that's what I was saying. Like, if the time doesn't work for them, and you, as you just said, they move on like the days ahead of the time. Yeah, they don't. No, they don't. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. As far as you're concerned, your time is running normally because you're not stuck in the time loop. Right. The other person is aware of it. Yeah. It's fucking confusing. Yeah. And like, that's the one part of the film is like. It's like um, the Map of Tiny Perfect Things as well. Yeah. Another like great time loop movie. Yeah, with Catherine Newton in it. Yeah. Bringing it back. Um, I do enjoy the the gimmick in this movie, and I do enjoy the fact that, like, one thing I, I did wonder while I was watching it, though, is when they film certain scenes in this. So there's a lot of the time, a lot of times in this movie, and, like, a lot of these movies where they film the same scene several times, and obviously, like, the central character is doing different things, mm. whereas the other actors are doing, like, the yeah. same... Do they film all of those scenes individually as the scenes as they happen? Yep, took them two days to do it. Yeah, so they they just film the film in chronological order and those actors have to say those lines, which I bet for continuity is a real fucker. Like, because you have to have everything in exactly the same place. I mean, not necessarily, because, like, there's certain conversations that Tree has... Because she alters her dialogue. The dialogue she gets in response is different. Yeah, but I'm talking about like the actual scenario. Like She has to w- wake up in the bedroom. Everything has to be exactly the same yeah, but place. They just won't move anything, will they? Yeah, they'll just re- I mean, that wake-up scene, mm. they'll probably have spliced together that and the next scene she needs to go on to. Yeah. 
because they just used the same wake-up scene. Or, yeah. alternatively, they just filmed it over and over again. Because that's... They that... didn't have to remove anything. Yeah. They could just re, like immediately shoot. Like, today, we're just going to film, like, her hitting the pillow and waking up, like, 50 times. Yeah. But, like, that's what I mean. It's, like, it's a real... It must be, like, a real continuity mess. And the same with, like, the second one as well. Because she wakes up in that bedroom a lot in the second one. They would have had to have, like, filmed it to look exactly the same as it did because they use the same scenes from like and like the second movie opens with the ending scene from the first movie so they would have had to make sure everything looks exactly the same as it yeah, did that's the first what you movie. have fucking checkers for babe yeah and i'm just like i just like why would you do this to yourself why would you make a fucking like time i movie? bet it's fucking easy you you think yeah I bet the thing is stressful. as well is you think that uh, first room scene in her room in the room they only move while they're in that sequence four or five different things. Yeah. So all they had to do is put them back on their starting marks and yeah. do it again. Yeah. Like it's not like they've had they move loads of stuff in the room. They move like four or five things, and they'll have little markers like this is the starting mark. This is where this thing needs to be. Yeah. I still I think for me I think I would just find it really stressful. Because <sighs> you're not in the good job not in the film industry then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think of, like, what do you think of the fact that this movie is not very gory? Because, like, this is another thing. Like, this movie over here is rated a 15 for mm-hmm. a movie that's pretty bloodless. But in America, it's like a PG-13, which is generally like a 12A. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie could have got away with being a 12A, personally. But does the fact that the movie, like, as a slasher movie, the fact that it has no gore and you don't really see a lot of the kills, does it bother you or not? No. I, I think... For me, if they go through with the kills and they made the body count and the blood more, it would have taken away from the point in the film. Because the point in the film isn't the deaths. There it's... is an R-rated cut of it. Is there? You can't get it, but there, there is an R-rated cut yeah. of it. Like, I, I, I don't think the deaths are the point of the film. Like, no. the her dying is the point in the film. Um, so to me, it doesn't bother me the fact that it's quite a bloodless movie. No. But I... There are a couple of deaths in it where I wish that they were like R-rated. Yeah. Just because I think it would have been much cooler. But yeah, I don't know how you feel about it. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. I mean, I'm not a big gore fan anyway. I don't, I don't need it. I don't see the point of it to a degree. Um, but it doesn't bother me. Like you see, like most of the deaths are off screen and stuff, where you don't really see the aftermath. Like, meh. Yeah. What's your favourite version of her death in this movie? It's a good question. Probably a toss-up between the car blowing up mm-hmm. and her fucking hanging herself. Yeah, I was going to say the hanging her- the hanging herself one was my one. It's such a great moment because she basically has to do it on her own terms. Yeah, Which is and I, quite cool. I think that's what I love about it is it's like the big fuck you moment. It's the big. It's when she gets really cocky and she thinks that she's figured out like what's going on, and that for me is like the moment she takes charge and she's like, "No, nope, I'm going to die on my own terms." Well, she only chooses to die because he killed Carter. Yeah, like that's literally it, and she makes that decision. She's like, "If I kill him because she thinks he's the killer," she's like, "Then Carter is dead." Yeah. And all he was doing was trying to help me. Yeah, but like I like I like that idea. I like the idea that she took took a, like a life into her own hands. I also really like the one where she gets killed with a bong because I just think that like you don't see enough mm. people get killed with bongs in movies. 
Like, I just think that's hilarious. Uh, what do you think of the killer get up in this movie? I like it. I think it's a it's an interesting look. I mean, it's it's a guy in a mask killing pretty girls. I mean, yeah, but like, what do you think about the fact that it's a baby mask? Do you not find it weird that the fucking high school has a baby as a mascot? Here's they are called weird. the Bayfield Babies. It's, it's weird. It's a strange, strange, strange choice of a mascot. Um, I mean, I, it's creepy. But, I mean, you could have put basically any mask on it and it wouldn't really have changed anything. Yeah, and, like, the killer doesn't really have a costume. It's a hoodie and jeans. Yeah. And orthopedic trainers. Yeah, which I think are really funny because if you're paying attention, it's really obvious who the killer is if you pay attention to who the trainers are. Um, What do you think of the characters in this movie? Let's run them down. Tree? Uh, I wish she had more obvious character development other than just that I'm nice now. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about not Jaquaid? Carter, I love Carter. Carter is such a sweetheart. Carter is the guy who got a, who found a girl drunk at a party and took her home and put her to bed and just was like, sleep it off, babes. Yeah. Like, he's such an all-round <coughs> good dude. In the American college system, he is a fucking unicorn. He, he really fucking is. Um, and he's just lovely. I really like him. And yeah, he uh, he is a rare kind of gentleman who literally will go, you are too drunk, let's just put you to bed, shall we, sweetheart? Laurie. Uh, her motivations for killing Tree <laughs> are fucking stupid. Absolute weak sauce, right? And also, there is an entire sequence in which she kills the guy who she's killing Tree... Right, so basically she's killing Tree so that she can become the centre of attention for Dr. Douchebag. Yeah. And there is a legit legit series of events where she fucking kills Dr. Douchebag. It's an unfortunate series of events. It is. And it's also blatant at one point she was going to frame him for it. Yeah. Because the mask is in his desk. Yeah. And I'm like, you were literally killing her so you could get in Detective Douchebag Detective. Nope, Dr. Douchebag's pants. Because you think he's sexy and all that. And then you're planning on either A, framing him or B, killing him. Yes. So confusing. Uh, Danielle. Oh, she's a prick. That is my review of Danielle. She's a prick. I think she's more annoying in the second one. I mean, she's just annoying in general, to be honest. <laughs> Ugh, I knew so many Danielles growing up and I hated them all. Dr. Gregory? <laughs> so... He's a dick. He's an ass clown. He's an ass clown. He, um, Dr. Douchebag, that's all I will refer to him as from now on. He is married and he's banging like, what, six of his students? And also it's implied at one point that he's letting them coast by in his class if they're banging him. Yeah. he He's basically just fucking Patton Oswalt's character from 22 Jump Street. <coughs> yeah. But, like, less interesting. Yeah. He's, he's like, the central motivation for the film. So, like, as you as you discussed... Is it is is Laurie having an affair with him, or does Laurie just want to have? An I'm not with entirely him? sure. Either way, it's kind of implied that Laurie's a bit a bit juicy in the in the pants room, and he's all like, "Nah, man, I have a thing for blondes. My wife is blonde. This other girl is blonde. So she plans to poison her with a cupcake, and then frame a serial killer. So one thing I do like about this movie. No, 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 no. no. So she plans to poison her with a cupcake 
And then when that doesn't work, yeah, she, she finds out that the serial killer is going to be at their hospital. So she plans on murdering her with a knife and then framing the serial yeah. killer for it. That's kind of what I was angling at. Yeah. The cupcake is never the... The the, end, the thing. The thing. It's the, it's the original plan. It's a poor plan because she's a fucking sorority sister. She ain't going to be eating a cupcake. Mm-hmm. But, you know. But, like, I, I like the idea that this movie has several red herrings. Because I, I like, I like the fact that it makes sense. Like, it makes sense that she would frame the serial killer, even if, even if she wasn't revealed to be the killer at the end. The fact that like there's a serial killer on the loose who happens to be in a hospital, like where her boyfriend works, is also a good storyline in itself. Yeah. Like, there, are, there are multiple ways this movie could have gone, and I think all of any, any and all of the killers make sense. Um, mm-hmm. I think her motivation is piss poor, like you said. It's fucking piss weak. And, like, even in the second one, he is, like, the central thing of, like, oh, my God, like, why does the God, why does, like, the world revolve around this fucking guy who's, like, a fucking arsehole? Um, but, yeah, I thought that was fucking ludicrous. But I will say, one thing I do like about this movie, I do like about both of Christopher Landon's slasher franchises is like they will have like really nice nods to like LGBTQ characters. Mm-hmm. We are in we are in P Ride month. We got Big Tim and his foot long in this movie, and she says to him, she's like, "It's okay to be gay. Like love is love." And then in you know, what did she say? What did she say? Go find yourself a hot piece of man ass. A hot piece of man ass, which I really love. And it's just this little smile. It's like okay. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. Like that there was like LGBTQ representation because Christopher Landon is a homosexual. Um, so I like the fact that he gets that in, and like in Freaky, um, we're not talking about Freaky, babe. Stop bringing it uh, up. I'm just it's same director in it. So. I know, but let's not talk about it because we're not covering it. Okay, but yeah, so I, I like that as well. Um, I I genuinely think that, that this movie is one of those movies. I think it came out; it was a surprise hit. I don't think enough people talk about it. Um, I I do want your opinion on it. Uh, I'm going to ask you two questions. Mm-hmm. They are related to each other. Do you think? Given the fact that the second one is out and we have seen the second one and the second one leans more into the sci-fi and is a lot wackier, mm-hmm. do you think this should have stayed as a standalone? Yes. I don't think it gains anything from having the sequel other than getting the explanation of why she's stuck in a time loop. But in all honesty, I don't think that it's that important we ever find out why she was stuck in a time loop in the first place. Yeah, because they, they really go whole hog in the second one. of like, Yeah, it's super sci-fi. This is how it happens. This is like some Terminator shit. Um, but with that said, if they ever make Happy Death Day to everyone, the third movie that they're planning to make, will you watch it? Probably. I've seen the first two. <laughs> I may as well watch the third one at this point. Like, I, I kind of don't feel like it's one of those films that should have become a franchise. Like, you are right. I think it doesn't gain anything from the second one. The second one retreads a lot of the same plot points. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think the second one is as good. I think it would have been better staying as an original, just like a standalone off, yeah. movie. Um, with that said, if they announce tomorrow that they're making three, four, five, six, seven, and eight, I, I'll I'll watch them all, like Jump Street style. If they did like an end credit sequence where it's like fucking Happy Death Day, like art school, yeah, 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 Happy Death Day in space, Happy Death Day retirement home, yeah, I would watch them because I just find 
her endlessly charming. See, uh, re-watching it, I have massively gone off tree. Oh. Which, after she was on my list, my 5 by 5 of Funniest Horror Characters, yeah. now having re-watched it, I've really gone off her. I mean, she's still amusing, but she's more of a dickhead amusing than actual funny. Yeah. Yeah. Where would you place her in the Annula Final Girls? I think when we did our 5 by 5 Final Girls, she was really high on my list. I don't think she'd even make my top five. What, now? <sighs> Sorry. Who wins the fight, her or Grace? Grace. Nah, I reckon nah, you nah. put her and Grace from Ready or Not in a fight, I reckon Tree would win. Tree's wily. Nah, I feel like Grace would win. Grace is wily as well. I just want to see them fight. <laughs> Grace manages to not get killed repeatedly. I'm sorry, Tree has to keep reliving the same day over and over and over again because she keeps getting killed. Why? Seems to be nasty about it. Grace would win. It's a silly question. Yeah. What about what about a babysitter? Oh, Beardwin, definitely. What about what about the chair from Mayhem? What's tomorrow evening? Yeah, I can't think what character's called. She she'd probably also. I feel like if you put Jessica Roth tree up against weaving, any yeah, tomorrow weaving character, tomorrow weaving will probably win. I don't know, man. What about Jessica Roth's character from that movie of Harry Shum Jr.? <laughs> I feel like tomorrow weaving would win. Well, I mean, technically, the illness would win. <laughs> That's really dark. That's making me really sad in my heart. Thank you. Is it her that dies or is it him that dies? I can't remember. I don't I, know, I but either way, babe, they have cancer. I try not to say the word, man. I try not to bring that the darkness into the podcast. But, um, yeah, I uh, I think she's a great final girl. I think if we put her in like up against some of the more recent final girls from movies... I think she would stand a pretty good chance of surviving. I don't think so, but sure. I think she's. I think she's good. Like as a final girl, like as a character, you know, like might not necessarily like where she starts, where she comes from. And let's be honest, she's not as fucking irritating as the half the cast in Sorority Row. True. The problem is though, is that you like. She becomes a sheer a, a, a final girl by sheer dumb luck of the fact that she gets to relive the day over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And she knows that even if she dies, it's just going to restart, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Which, to me, is not the sign of a great final girl. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Because all of the final girls survive from the beginning to the end of the movie without dying. That's the point of them. <sighs> yeah, I get what you're saying. Tree dies ten times before she manages to survive. Well, isn't it 16? Because doesn't she say to Toons, no, like, I don't want to die for the 16th time? We see her die 10 times. Hmm. It might actually be 16, but we see her die 10 times. Yeah, I mean, I only say the 16 because of the like line that she says about dying 16 times. But, yeah, it could be it could be less. It could also be more, like because we don't see every death that she goes through. We just see the ones that they want us to see. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things to love about this movie, I think. But there's also like there are niggles about how like what would happen. Like, is there a way that she like they they never mention obviously if there is a way that she stays dead. I'm assuming if her body completely gives in from the amount of yeah. damage, or if the time loop was somehow broken, would she stay dead? Yeah. Like 
these there's a lot of like unanswered questions. They try to well, answer. Well, if the time them loop in. was broken, then yes, yeah, she'd stay dead because time would start moving yeah. again. So that's it's not really an unanswered question. It's basic time loops. Because they try to they try to answer all the questions obviously in the second movie, um, but I don't really know. Like I don't really know how time paradoxes work, having never knowingly lived through one, or knowing anyone that has. I don't really know how they work. But in terms of that, how do you think that they deal with the time loop gimmick in this movie? Do you think they do it quite well? No, it's a, the time loop is probably the the saving grace of this movie because it's a really interesting concept. And to do a time loop slasher movie yeah. is really a really smart move. But um, I like the way it's done. I like I could have done without the repeated. It, there's one thing about any time loop film that really irritates me is watching the same thing happen over and over. Yeah, yeah. Really annoys me. Do you... but that's any time loop film. So I have a question because it happens in quite a few time loop movies. Mm-hmm. They do this, and I don't know if they would have been able to do it in this one. Why? Do you think that she didn't try to like leave a clue to remind people that they've lived the same day again? Because in some movies they like leave a note or they do something so that the person on the inside of the time loop can remember that they had the conversation previously. We literally watched a movie. I think it was Everything Everywhere All at Once, where they try where she leaves something for them so that they. It might have been that movie, or it was something we watched recently. Everything Everywhere All at Once isn't a time loop. I don't think it was that... It might not be that movie, but there was something we watched recently where somebody left something inside of a time loop so that they would remember that they'd had the conversation with the person previously, and I cannot for the life of me remember what the fuck it was we watched. Or it may have just been something... The thing is, is we, we, they, that wouldn't work because the loop resets itself. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure in Palm Springs... No, it was Edge of Tomorrow. It was when we were watching Edge of Tomorrow because they try... When Tom Cruise goes back through the time loop, mm-hmm. he has several conversations with Emily Blunt where they rem- where he tries to tell her how far they got previously mm-hmm. so they can go further. Mm-hmm. And like when she's t- he's talking to the guy that's with her, he does the whole thing of like two fingers so that he yeah, knows... Yeah, but she does that. Yeah, but what I'm saying is he says to the guy... He knows how many fingers are behind his back to remind him that they've had the conversation. But he doesn't previously. remind him; it's just him confirming that the time loop actually exists and he's stuck inside. Yeah, because the dude won't remember the conversation. The conversation's never happened yeah. to him. But she does it in this because she does it with Carter. Like, yeah, she says to him, "Oh, like this is that. This is this is." Yeah. That. But what I'm saying is, if if now I'm trying to I'm trying to get the thing is, is tree does tree doesn't trust anyone. Who would she tell other than Carter? Yeah. What I'm saying is, like, if she'd sat with him mm. and got her phone out and recorded that conversation and saved it to her phone, if she went through the time loop again... Well, no, because her phone resets. But well, that's what I'm saying. Would that conversation be on the phone? No, because like, her phone resets. Yeah. That conversation never happened. Yeah, but this is what I mean. Like, this is the things that my oh brain... Oh, my God. <laughs> we are getting way too into the fucking science. <laughs> we are We are stuck in a time loop having this conversation. <laughs> no, baby, it wouldn't work. Everything, ex- everything resets. The whole thing resets. You just retain your memories. So you can't leave a message for yourself because the whole world resets back to base and you just retain your memories. That's so frustrating. Well, it's not. It's pretty simple. <laughs> no, but it must be frustrating for the person that's living oh, through yeah, it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Saying, like, that's a frustrating thing of, like, I can't even, like, ask for help or, like... I mean, you can. You can do a tree does in this and just tells Carter every time she needs his help. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what this crazy woman is. And Carter's just like, time loop, sure. At least he doesn't try and mansplain a time loop to her. Which I find frustrating in these movies. 
Like, it's like when people try and explain time travel and they're like, the thing with the stuff and the hole and the thing and the space and stuff like that. And I'm just like, no, no. It's like a folded piece of paper. Yeah, like the fucking Event Horizon explanation of, hey man, look, we're going to go through this bit of paper with a pen and it's like, fuck off. At least nobody tries to mansplain time loops to it. I mean, they do in the second one, but like in this movie, everybody's like, no, we're pretty chill about it. They're pretty like, hey man, it's all gravy. But... Yeah, so for you, what are your final thoughts on this movie? Like, how what what made it different watching it this time to the first time? Like, what I think I was just more wildly aware of the fact that Tree was an irredeemable bitch. <laughs> like, she's got her reasons, sure, but she is just unneedlessly nasty consistently for like the first half of this movie, and it really <laughs> I was just rooting for her to get killed. Yeah. Also, did you think that the subplot with her mum was a bit out of left field in this movie? Yeah. Like, I know they expand upon it in the second one. I know we're talking about the second one quite a bit, but you kind of have to take them as one story. But did you think it's kind of like they, they just kind of give it something for you to kind of feel a bit more sorry for her rather than it feeling like a a, yeah. a thing that she needs? Because she doesn't really go through anything in this movie other than, like, she apologises to her dad and that's about it. Like, it seems mm-hmm. like one of those things of, like, just an extra sprinkle on the cake to make you feel sorry for her. Yeah, they could have cut her dad out completely and this movie would not have suffered in any way, shape or form. Yeah. But, yeah, carry on with your, with your thoughts. Well, that was basically it. So you just, you just didn't enjoy her as much this time around? Yeah. But like, what about the rest of the movie? Does do you think the movie outside of her still holds up on a second viewing? Not really. I think once you know who the killer is, it loses a lot of the shine. That's the same with all slasher movies. Though, yeah. But whereas with other slasher movies, there's something in them normally that's quite funny, or there's like moments in them that I'm like, this is worth rewatching this movie for. This movie doesn't really have them. Also, not a great villain monologue. No, and also it was way too easy to kill her at the end as well. Yeah. Do you? Do you think that uh, Laurie was a good villain? No. Because she's not really in the movie that much. This is another thing. You talk about underdeveloped characters and underdeveloped plots. She kind of comes out of left field. Like, it makes sense when you rewatch the movie back and you're like, oh, she keeps trying to give her that cupcake. Mm-hmm. Like, blah, blah, blah. They don't seem to be that close. But yeah, considering she's not in a large chunk of the movie, like you don't see her really interact with Tree in her everyday life. Yeah. It does seem that she kind of just... They needed something... To kind of like wrap the movie up, and it's a bit of a bit of a left field villain. I, I kind of assumed when I first watched it that the doctor was going to be the villain. Yeah, he makes sense. Like spoiler alert, he's in the second wife. one. Yeah, because they both are the killers in the second one, aren't yeah. they? Which I think is fucking weird. But yeah, for me, the whole Laurie thing kind of come out of a bit of left field, and I just think, if I'm being brutally honest, I like Ruby Modine. We'll be talking about her again in a couple of weeks. But I just think she's a bit bland in this. And I don't yeah. know if it's her performance or if it's the character. She's just a bit robotic and a bit of a non-entity. Yeah. Um, it would have made sense if it was going to be someone in her sorority for it to have been Danielle. Yeah. Uh, that would have weighed, weighed. That would have made way more sense. But, yeah, I kind of understand why it's not her. But, you know, there you go. Um so what are your final thoughts and your rating for Happy Death Day? Um, I think it's a good premise. I think first time through, it's super fun. After that, you start to see a lot of flaws in this movie and a lot of holes that are really easy to pick apart. Um, the characters on general 
are just kind of an array of different level of asshole. <laughs> apart from Carter. Carter is the one character in this movie that I was like, protect him at all costs. Yeah. Like, he's the one good guy in this entire film. Because even his roommate's a douchebag. Oh, Ryan. Yeah. Um, ratings wise, I'm going to give it a three because I did enjoy it the first time round. Mm. But I just don't think it holds up under multiple viewings at all. Yeah. See, whereas with me, I'm the complete opposite. I love this movie. Um, I've seen this movie so many times now. And I enjoy it for what it is. I think it's one of those movies, it's just, it's a very good comfort movie. Like, I put it on when I'm ill or if I'm not feeling great and I just really enjoy watching it. I think the premise is great. I think the premise... Uh, is great for a standalone movie. I think it becomes massively convoluted in the second movie and they try too hard to pick it apart and try to over-explain it. They really over-egg the pudding in the sequel. Um, I think there are some really great moments with Tree kind of ex- exploring like different deaths in this movie. Um, I think it has a really fun vibe to it. Um, I agree with what you said, though. A lot of the characters in this movie are unlikable assholes. And I do think that most people are divisive on this movie because they fall one way or the other with Tree. Um, I think she's a great character and I do like the journey that she goes on. Um, I think the movie's really inventive and has a really good energy to it. Um, Christopher Landon, who directed it, has just been announced to direct the Arachnophobia remake. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, man, give me all of that fucking fun spider action. Um, But for me, I think I'm going to go like 4.5. I wanted to go a 5, but I just don't think (laughs) that like... Um, I can go for a full five, but it's going to be a 4.5. I love this movie. Uh, I could have done without the second one. Um, but yeah, that's that's my final thoughts is that it's, it's, it's in that top level. It's one of my favourite horror movies, if you can call it that, that's mm. come out in the last uh, four or five years, five or six years. This, yeah. Malignant and Freaky um, for various different reasons. Um, so yeah, that's our thoughts on Happy Death Day. Uh, have you guys seen Happy Death Day? Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? Come join us in on social media. Tell us the reasons why or why you don't like this movie. Um, come find us over on social media on Twitter at S-I-M-A-H-F-Pod. Uh, so I'm a horror fan, all one word, all lowercase on Instagram and Tumblr. Don't forget, um, we have got a few other goodies coming up this month for you. Uh, we've got Elvira and the Mistress of the Dark. Or is it? No, it's not Elvira. Elvira, Mistress of Mistress the Dark. Mistress of the Dark and the Mistress. Um, coming up next Monday. And then also next Friday, we have a Crossing the Stream episode. We're finally going to watch Tragedy Girls, which is going to be... I'm very excited about watching another horror movie with Jaquaid in it. Um, so those will be what was on deck for next week. Um, so keep your eyes out on our social media. Uh, we'll be bringing you those two episodes. And at some point this month, also probably around about the end of next week or the the week after we were bringing you hopefully a review of the black phone as well so keep your eyes out for that um as always thank you very much to everyone who enjoys the podcast shares likes subscribes retweets all that nonsense um we appreciate you guys and um yeah we hope everyone's staying safe having a good good week and um yeah we'll see you on the flippy flip um take care of yourselves speak later stay spooky stay safe goodbye